Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yes! Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech, executive producer at vidIQ. And before we start anything on this episode of Tube Talk, I want to thank each and every one of you who took time out of your schedules to spread awareness for the crisis happening in Ukraine, whether it be on your own through your social platforms or whether it be through our Creative for Peace initiative. I want to thank all of you all for making your audiences and your friends and family more aware of the crisis in Ukraine. And if you donated to UNICEF or any other charity for that matter, thank you so, so much for doing that. We greatly appreciate everything that you all have done this past week to make sure that the awareness has been spread about the crisis and whatever donations or help you have provided. We sincerely thank you for that. Again, this is something that is very close to us as we do have Ukrainian team members. We had them on the podcast last week. So thank you guys for your assistance. Definitely appreciate it. This week on the podcast, I have a good friend of mine called Big Cloud Gaming, who's going to be on here in a minute or so. This intro is going to be pretty short because it's a pretty long chat with him. But I just want to let you all know, I'm pretty sure some of you all have heard me talk about this before, but I want to reaffirm to everybody listening to this podcast that you are not your vanity metrics. As creators, you are not defined by your follower count, by your sub count. There is so much more that goes into it than just the numbers that people might see on the outside. Creators know how much stuff is going on on the back end, how much you are doing that people may or may not be aware of. You have to know that you can outperform your vanity metrics. Just because somebody has 500 subscribers or 1,000 followers or 5,000 followers, that does not cap their potential in the creative space. I think Roberto Blake calls them nano influencers because you have like a thousand or less followers. I think that's the range. But nano influencers can make whole living through the creator economy if you know what you're doing. If you know how to use your influence to scale whatever it is that you're trying to do. But I am so glad to be talking to my friend Ryan, a.k.a. Big Cloud Gaming this week, because he is not the biggest creator by numbers. But what he has done in the gaming creator space with his followers sub count or whatever is he's doing things that mega gaming creators aren't doing. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff here in a minute when he gets here. But do not think that you're defined by your vanity metrics and don't let anybody else try to define you by your vanity metrics because you are more than just a number. Let me repeat that for the people in the back. You are more than just a number. So when you realize that and you work as hard as you can to get out of the creator journey, what you want to get out of it, your potential is limitless because you understand that you are betting on yourself. And the harder you work, the more you work, the more strategy that you put into what you want to accomplish, the more you will get out of what it is you're trying to accomplish in your creator journey. So. With that being said, let's go ahead and roll to the podcast and talk to Big Cloud Gaming about his creator journey. So, welcome back to Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. And this week, I have my homie Ryan, aka Big Cloud Gaming, on the podcast. What's up, man? How you doing? That's good. Good to be here, man. I'm glad to have you. Thank you for making the time, man. Definitely appreciate you. 
So Ryan, you are a gaming channel, very successful gaming channel, and we have a lot of up-and-coming gaming creators that rock with IQ and they they watch our YouTube channel and listen to the podcast. So figure it'd be good to get somebody perspective like yourself who is doing big things in the gaming space. So first question I have for you, Ryan, mm-hmm. what brought you to YouTube? Oh man, that ooh, that story, <laughs> it's uh-huh. all over the place for that one. So when I first did YouTube, Originally, it was going to be strictly, it was going to be like a Call of Duty channel. I used to upload crazy small snippets <laughs> to my YouTube channel at the time. And um, funny thing is, I didn't have a distinctive plan or idea for the channel. Like my name, ironically, at the time was Ryan with a bunch of numbers. It was like Ryan 553298. And I had it literally <laughs> across the board for my name. And that was because it's funny because that's my PSN. So I had it all linked up to that. And I would upload Call of Duty clips. And the funny thing about Call of Duty especially at the time when it was like really flourishing. Good luck growing a channel like talent. You got some crazy editing skills and all that. It's like you're throwing a needle in a haystack type of thing. It's literally, it's it's tough to get uh, noticed there. So I noticed, you know, gaming news was kind of a thing at the time too. I saw a lot of people start covering, but I noticed that a lot of them didn't really offer, at least the people I listened to at the time, didn't really offer a whole lot to the whole situation, like context. And I remember when I saw that, I was like going, hmm, I know I could do that and better because I know a lot more in certain aspects uh, for that stuff. And I usually always open, you know, I'm always open-minded with like what could happen sort of thing. So I figured, you know, let me try that. And lo and behold, my first video, um, I ever did that, game like, 10 or 20 subs and then like my next one gave me like 40 and after that it just kept growing and growing and growing which is me being consistent and dropping news and the funny thing is my um quality at the time i mean obviously you you see the quality now it's it's pretty good up there but beforehand i used to literally just hit record and literally record my browser with a microphone it was audio technica and i literally just would talk over my browser Nothing that, no crazy transitions no pop-ups no nothing just literally saying hey by the way in playstation news literally see me clicking the next tab i'm like hey this game is gonna come out and then you know that sort of thing so that's pretty much what led to my channel um going in the game news route and honestly it's been one of the coolest things i've done in a long long time i met a lot of cool people and uh now you see you know where we are now it's just been it's been a really cool experience yeah, you know, I thought your channel was older than what it actually is because I always thought that you were around back in 2013 with the release of the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. But you, uh, I think oh, I was, I came around that time. Yeah, oh, that's you my channel. Yeah, that's when I started uploading. It was around that time. Yeah. Okay. So I have been pretty much around, I guess, practically since the beginning with your channel, watching you grow and watching your channel evolve into what it is today. So you said that you were first making content about Call of Duty, but as we know, that's very difficult. And then you felt the need (laughs) for more gaming news content. And then you decided to throw your hat in the gaming news ring. And that's what you do now more than anything. That is pretty cool. But I do have a a curious question. Mm Mm-hmm. In the beginning, when I first saw you, you were doing content faithless. You didn't really show your faith in your content per se. Yep. Uh, more recently, you have begun to show your faith more in the content. Now, you don't always show your faith in the video per se, but now you do a podcast and you do something where you do show your faith more. So I'm curious as to what led to that pivot from you not showing your faith to you decide to finally show your faith on your content. Yeah. So uh, before, um, obviously, you know, it was mostly a logo. You just hear me talk and you see like the transitions when I start getting more confident and better at editing and, and whatnot. Most of the stuff I learned on YouTube is self-taught. So I literally practice, practice and, you know, master the craft. And that led to other things. That's a different story. But 
you know, when I did all that stuff, I used to always get questions all the time going, hmm, I wonder what Big Cloud looks like. I wonder what Big Cloud's actually going to do at the time. And I was like, eh. I'm like, guys, uh, just normal guys. Like, yeah, but it'd be cool. You know, you did it. And I didn't really think about that to that time until I started getting pressured by people at my gas. They was like, yo, do you need to show your face for I was like, what do you mean show my face for I'm saying I think you do great because, you know, we get more of that human aspect uh, when they see you talking and you relating and actually looking at the camera like this, you know, like a normal face to face conversation type of thing that you do. That's okay, You know, whatever. I'll definitely consider it. And then I went, took a gamble, spent a hundred bucks. Literally, that's what this thing's worth. This right here, hundred dollars for this little Razer Keel. And that was the first camera that I really had to like draw my face and everything. And I did that and I got kind of a lukewarm reception. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a like lukewarm. It was like a 50-50. Like a lot of people like, oh, there he is. Hey, this is dope. I like this. And I had other people going, I don't want to see Big Claw's face. I just want to see the content. I'm sitting going, uh, you sure? Or you just want to be extra? And then I started to upgrade the camera. And when I upgrade the camera to what you see here, shout out to Sony. Uh, one of the developers actually sold me this camera. So this was actually fantastic uh, that I got. This was a deal by itself, but he gave me a crazy deal on this. But again, when we got to this camera, um, it happened around the time where I really started to interview a lot of people. And I was like, you know, I do want to step up. You know, I do want to put myself out in a better look. And then my email just went buzzing and this awesome thing fell in my lap. It was like, OK, this has got to be the coolest investment. And I noticed when I upgraded the camera, the interest in me being on camera grew higher because now they can actually see me, see me, you know, better quality, a better flesh. I can see Viper, you know, better. <laughs> if I see a pixelated version of Viper, I'm like, yeah, you better off just showing me the logo. <laughs> so that's where that's where the whole thing came into play. And, um, you know, I try to tell people you don't really need no crazy over the top equipment to make a channel at all. You can get like a Logitech Brio or a Logitech camera and, and do this type of stuff. But yeah, I would say that the quality of the camera really did play a factor and people really accepted me and whatnot, especially when I when I connect and, and I started doing in the smaller videos as opposed from the, the podcast. And uh, it just it, it float. So for the podcast listeners out there who cannot see you, uh, what type of camera are you using right now? This is the Sony A5100. And I got this for a super deal. This this camera is like, what, 400, 500 bucks. I only paid 120 for this. Nice. This was sold to me by a developer over there at Sony. I'm not going to tell you what studio. <laughs> Shout out to him. But uh, he knows who he is, and he watched the show. He's uh, he's an awesome dude. I'd say that. Gave now, just for full disclosure, the Sony A5100 is an older camera. But for what we do on YouTube, I mean, Ryan looks crystal clear, and you don't really need much more than what Ryan is using. The A5100 will definitely work for talking head videos and different things like that podcast. It's crystal clear. I mean, it's an amazing camera even still today. Yeah, the A6000 I see people try to get up to is like, what, $600, $700 camera? That's another great one, but I'm like, eh, not much in terms of this else being improved on. It looks good. It's a great camera, but I, I saw the picture. A friend of mine has it. I was sitting going, he doesn't look that much different from what I look like, you know, on the camera in terms of the depths and whatnot. I mean, granted, it might have some better features in terms of like adjusting lighting and whatnot, but you know, a lot of this stuff is just one button press. Like if I look to, light i can adjust that i mean it's, it's a lot better um what i do that actually for listeners, you know he pressing buttons and getting fancy with the camera y'all i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just saying it's adjusting the lighting <laughs> i, I want to go back uh further to when you first started because obviously like i said earlier when you first started out you were mm -hmm. a faceless channel person you did not show your face so i'm curious what led to that decision because i know a lot of creators sometimes they're afraid to start youtube maybe they don't want to see themselves on camera or they don't yeah. like the sound of their voice why did you go faceless instead of showing your face right off the jump 
Well, it was kind of a confidence thing, to be honest. I mean, I'm new at the whole thing at the time. Uh, when I first started doing it, I was very like over the top. You know, I didn't want to try some stuff. I didn't want to go this route. I mean, it was funny. There was a point at the beginning of my channel where dude was like, yo, uh, Big Cloud, you need an intro. I was like, I don't need no intro. I don't need no outro. Mm. <laughs> I don't need no intro or outro for my videos. And here I am. I got these crazy long intros and outros to my videos. Um, just like there was a time when it was like, yo, Big Cloud, you ever think about doing uh, green screen effects or adding stuff like this? And I'm like, no, that's that's too much. That's just me being lazy. And here I am adding that stuff to my channel. So it's like, you know, it's a confidence thing. You you build up to it. You work your way to it. And you get more and more uh, confident. What, Especially on the mic. The mic is a story by itself. This right here I'm rocking is a Rode Procaster. Woo! Yeah, I have one that's myself. The, so that's the you already know this this bad boy. It, it it pays for itself. It does everything you need. Beforehand, I have Audio Technica. That's why I rocked this in the closet over there, and that upgraded to a Razer one. And I was like, you know, I've gotten so good at this. I've gotten so confident. With it. I was like, you know, I need something production wise. I need something good. And lo and behold, this I had to make that investment, and this has been one of the coolest investments I've done. And but again, each thing has a story. Just like you can say about my rig at the time for the channel. The rig that powered the channel at the time was a pre-built that I bought, and it was like 600 bucks. Had like an i5 processor in there. It's still, it was fine for what it was, right? But when it came to doing what I wanted it and necessarily needed it for, I needed to upgrade. So I went and made my own, and that's the white PC that you've seen multiple times. That's the one that I built from scratch just for the channel and just for everything, and that's been my go-to PC. So everything has like a story behind it, you know, from the oh. headsets, all that stuff. Gotcha. So I kind of want to get into the story of the microphone because you said that the microphone didn't pay for itself time and time over. And I'm just curious how you landed on that particular mic because when I've talked before in the podcast mm -hmm. about knowing as a creator when to upgrade your gear and when it's feasible, you don't want to be buying the most expensive gear when you're first starting out because yeah. you're not making any money and you're just you're just getting it to depth for no reason. But you talked about how you got to that mic and it paid for itself. So what led to you buying that particular mic? Like, What is the actual story behind that microphone? So I guess you could say all three of them because I went through three throughout my career. So the Audio-Technica one, when I got it, I got that as a super deal. I think I paid like $160, $150 at the time for it. And I got it. I was like, oh, nah, okay, cool. Funny thing is, I didn't have no stand like this for it. I don't think I did. I had like a normal little little feet that goes on the desk. I had that. I used to talk to it. I was like, oh, you know, this is fun, but it's very sensitive, you know? The point, what I'm trying to say is like, you have to work your way up to it. And the reason why I say, and I'm glad you said that you shouldn't buy all the top of the line stuff, because I don't recommend that for anybody either. Like, I don't recommend you drop, let's say, $800 on a microphone, let's just say hypothetically, right? Or $1,000 or a headset and all this stuff, and unless, especially when you are first starting this, because number one, there's odds are that you might look at this in the back of your mind and go, yeah, this ain't for me. So if you say that, you're out crazy. You know what I mean? You always want to go into this with like a tiptoe type effect. You want to go in there and get your feet wet and say, hey, you know what? Is this something I can see myself doing? Is this something I would like to do? And a lot of people get fed up because, you know, YouTube's algorithm and everything like, oh, I didn't get no views on the video. I mean, there are tons of videos that I dropped throughout my career that got ridiculously low views for the videos. And I didn't really let that bother me. And if, if anything, it told me to just keep going and just think of ways to prove it, whether it be the thumbnails, whether it be the production of the voice, whether it be how I structure and go and get to the point. That's how I would I would always look at it. Like I remember somebody actually say, yo, Big Cloud, you take too long to get to the point. I was sitting going, wow, excuse me for giving you context to an article. <laughs> so some people didn't like that. So I had to, you know, find a way to get like a cadence, like boom, boom, boom. Let's get right to the point. Let's get here. 
that's the thing. A lot of people, when they, especially when you're looking at news, a lot of people want the stuff as quick as possible, you know, and they want to move on and, and go on about their day. But that's like that's the cool thing about it. Yeah, you know, just building that, you know, and and having more fun at the end of the day. But when it comes to microphones, how I how I ended up with the Rode Procaster, um, when we started doing the podcast and I started hearing myself in the podcast, one thing about me, I still look back at my channel to this day and I go, damn, people actually listen to my voice because <laughs> I, I hear my voice and it just feels weird. It's like I do not sound that great on the mic to me. I said to myself, like, I don't sound that great on the mic. So I look for better equipment. And I was like, you know what? Let's see what the top of the line headphones are and microphones are. And I was like, you know what? That one. I want that one. And I just pointed at the Rode Procaster and I bought the <laughs> Procaster. And when it got here, the first thing I noticed was two things. Number one, it wouldn't work for my PC because it is an XLR. Yep. And I was like, what the hell is an XLR microphone? <laughs> what the hell is an XLR microphone? It's like, uh, Ryan, you need, a, you need an audio interface. I'm like, what the hell is an audio interface? <laughs> I was certainly going through all this stuff. I was going through all these things. Like, what well, that was an audio interface. So when looked up a focus right, got that. I still rock that to this day. Funny thing is, a company reached out to improve the podcast with a new one of this, like a different variable of sound effects. So we're gonna see if we can get that. That's gonna be fire if they send it to us. But focus right is what I'm rocking, still rocking it to this day. Very good audio interface to focus right to I do. And I got two speakers, and after that, I was like, yep. Oh, yeah, this looks like a setup. And I just started having more fun. And then uh, the road just really improved everything. And, you know, the thing I noticed about these XLR microphones, depending on model you get, like you might see like the Sure version one, which has like you need a real powerful interface to power that up and turn the gain up. But yeah, these were <laughs> a different story by itself. But again, it just improved everything. And I was I was real uh, happy with it. Very yeah, nice. The other thing about uh, being a content creator, when you are researching your gear, you got to make sure you know everything that you need. <laughs> when I brought my Shure FM7B, I knew that I couldn't just buy the microphone by itself. I kind of learned that I would need a cloud lifter, which is something that you can use to improve the gain on your microphone because the Shure has low gain out of the box. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like you, I brought the Scarlett 2i2, I think, uh, the Focusrite audio interface um, before I upgraded to the Rodecaster Pro I have over here. So uh, you got to what you're getting yourself into. But again, uh, the equipment that we're talking about is kind of expensive. And if you're a brand new creator, you don't need the most expensive equipment. When I first started doing my YouTube channel, I was using the internal microphones on my iPad. Funny enough. I, yeah, right, right. Funny Oof. enough, I ended up upgrading <laughs> my audio. I ended up upgrading my audio, Ryan, because one of my viewers sent me a direct message in Discord one day. They're like, Viper, we love what you do, but you need to do something about your audio because it sounds yeah. like you're underwater. Because <laughs> at the time, I was using the internal mic on my iPad Pro. So that's when I went out and I brought the Blue Yeti and then the rest of history. Yeah, that's the thing. I like I would recommend that. I'm glad you mentioned Blue Yeti. Blue Yeti is like the perfect starter oh, yeah. microphone for anybody. I would recommend it's got a stand built in. You can buy the arm later on if you want that. But it's it's still a microphone you see top of the line streamers rock. It's not over expensive. It's very yep. simple. It's straight to the point. It's a good microphone. You can adjust it as you go and have great audio and, and everything. And plus, they have this feature you can plug in your headphones. You can hear yourself. So they give you steps in terms of quality audios for your audio. So if you want those, I recommend those easy. The one I had was the Audio Technica. Doesn't really have that. It's just a straight microphone, USB, and uh, very sensitive. But again, this is what we're talking about, where you just uh, you know you're trial and error. When people start saying Big Claw, I'm hearing a lot of background noise. I'm like, yep, time to go. <laughs> Let me get this. Let me get this. I got the Razor one. The problem with the Razor one, it doesn't go on the arm. It was a normal one on the desk. I'm like, yep, yeah, you're not gonna last long, buddy. You're not gonna last long. <laughs> So I so I moved that out the way and it's like, you know what? 
Time to just step it up. And I got XLR and I have never looked back after going XLR. Once you go XLR, I think you never really want to go back to USB anything. It's just that good. It pays for itself. It's all in there and ready to go type of thing. Definitely. So I want to talk about the evolution of your channel. So mm-hmm. I think in a way, you've always been doing gaming new. But I remember when I first uh, noticed your channel back in the day, you were kind of coming at cat's neck if you felt like they were out of line in the face. Oh, you're going there. I'm <laughs> going there. Well, not too much. But what I'm trying to say is that when I first noticed you back in the day, you were going at people's necks if you thought they were saying something that was out of line. But you kind of grew up as a creator, as a human being. And now you're more just focusing on the gaming news itself and what's going on in the industry and giving your thoughts and analysis. And you're not really going at people anymore. So talk about the evolution of the channel from what it was when you first started to what it is today. Yeah. So for the channel... I pretty much, you might as well call me the Chris Jericho of content creators. I've found a way to reinvent myself three times at this point. It's crazy. Uh, so when we first started doing the channel, uh, Ryan with the numbers, again, gaming news. And I started getting weird trolls. I started responding to the trolls. I started coming at the trolls next. The trolls came at me, became a toxic like environment. But I found a way to make it work. And it became a charismatic type of uh, heel-esque vibe. And I would always go after people who had a problem and then. Funny thing is, those same people, now they look at where I'm at now, they, we're all good friends, and they all look at me and they go, yeah, Big Cloud, he's a real one. He really grew his channel from nothing, and we uh, all found peace, I guess you can say, in, in the end there. But yeah, I used to get into a lot of uh, crazy drama. I'm like, <laughs> Viper will tell you, I'm like, oh my God, some of the stories, <laughs> some of the stories, woo, some crazy stories we had back in the day. But you know, I used to do crazy live streams, nonstop screaming at the mic. I used to do all that, and then it was like, it came down. It's funny. It took one interview to really make me uh, calm down. This interview, I wouldn't say it humbled me, even though it kind of did, but it stopped me for a second because I literally stopped and thought about where I was at at that time. And, and it was that when I was like 5,000 subs, I interviewed him. His name was Gio Corsi. For those of you that don't know who Gio Corsi is, Gio Corsi is um, a former developer over at PlayStation. I uh, was the uh, head of second party global development. Basically, he oversaw the PlayStation Vita and a lot of the other um, subsidiaries for the company. And he, and he helped with that. So he overlooked that stuff. And I was sitting going, you know, I'm interviewing this guy. This dude's talking to me. And I was like, damn, I just interviewed Gio Corsi. And then we were talking off air. He's like, dude, you got potential. But you need to really think about some stuff. And I was like, what you mean? It's like, I mean, you're great on the mic. Got very charismatic side to you. And I can see that you want more out of what you're doing. I was sitting going, hmm. And he said, you got to think. How do you want to be remembered? when you leave this earth and that's real when you hear that question that's a real question and so we got done talking and then he left i was like damn how do i want to be remembered do i want to be remembered as that guy who just was loud on the mic or do i want to be remembered as that guy who took something built something he was proud of regardless of where it went it could go to 20k subs it can go to 50k subs 100 who cares Right. But build something he's proud of and at least knew that's what he did with his own hands. And then, you know, retire happily, you know, that, that's how I'm known for. And I just started to think and really start to change a lot of stuff with the channel. So we start, you know, doing less crazy over the top stuff. And it's funny when I started doing that, I started getting hate when I started doing it. Dude's like, oh, how dare you do that? Oh, this dude's trying to get, you know, under people. He's trying to get with these people. This people. I'm like, not really. I'm just trying to be myself, have fun for a change. And, um, I kept doing that. And then lo and behold, I had this idea for the channel 
and it ultimately ended up being the what you see today. It's the Big Cloud Gaming thing. I changed my channel to that, and it arguably was probably one of the best decisions I made in a long time because of the simple fact that I was able to shed my skin, so to speak, and try something completely new. And the thing that separates the Big Cloud from the Ryan and Professional, which is the most prolific, I guess you could say, of my career at that time. What separates that for me is very simple. BitCloud Gaming is pretty much me in its entirely. I give everything I possibly can. I dig my raw emotion. I dig how it is. And I don't put on the front for nobody. It's just how I feel on topics, how I feel about a situation. Whereas Ryan the Professional was kind of like me trying to get a reaction. <laughs> I was legit going over the top. I would do these crazy edits, these unnecessary edits. I remember I had dudes wait 15 minutes before I started talking because you have a bunch of weird stuff playing in the background or the beginning. I used to do a lot of weird stuff with that channel. I was like, yeah. This is not what I want. So I did that. Big Cloud Game became what it is. And then if somebody would have told me, Ryan, did you know that a year later, probably by the end of that year, when you change your name to Big Cloud, that you would get an offer to work with IGN? I would be like, there's no way. You know, I worked with IGN. I got the opportunity of a lifetime. You know, I interviewed one of the community managers. Uh, she was an uh, awesome person to talk to, still talk to her to this day. We talked to her for a little bit and she just had fun. She shared it around. And I started noticing things uh, when, when that happened. Number one, we started getting more people say yes to us. We started getting more people green lighters for stuff. And um, that's where the interviews started to come into play. I was like, you know, I love bringing people together, whether it be small content creators, big content creators, or just people in general. And we're talking about something. It could be about anything. It could be about gaming. It could be about movies. And that's where the interviews, my inspiration came to. I was like, you know, why don't I see people interviewing the actual actors who bring these characters to life? You know, why don't I see that? And I said, you know what? Let's try that. And it started off with small names. As you see now, we've built quite a bit of resume of just interviewing people. And it's gotten progressively bigger and bigger. And I've gotten more confident with it. And I just have more fun with it. And just it's become part of my DNA, I guess you can say, just to bring people together and talk. And um, it's been that much of a blessing just to have many people on the show. Okay, I want to go backwards because you were interviewing people before you started working at IGN. Yeah. So I'm curious, or I shouldn't say working at, I shouldn't say working with IGN since you were technically a freelancer, but mm -hmm. how did you get to a point where you started interviewing industry people? Because vastly different from doing gaming nude. I guess my question is, how did you get on the radar of industry folk? Because it's one thing to be a content creator, like I'm in technology and different things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I make tech content. And so I'm pretty sure some industry people know who I am, but a lot of them I don't know. But I guess my question for you is, with you being a gaming content creator doing basically gaming news, how did you get on the radar of industry people that they wanted to come talk to you on your channel? I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, I did interview people uh, before. Uh, it was more content creators, though, you know, just having them on. A lot of them were friends I had on there I was talking to. And the funny thing is, I didn't see the signs. I really didn't see the signs when I started doing it early on because, you know, I have my eyes and my mind so something completely different. And then that's when we started to change. But um, when I started looking back and I saw the viewers and I saw how people were interacting, I'm like, this is perfect. You should do more of this. I was like, you know, why not? You know, why not? I mean, it doesn't hurt the try, you know, it doesn't hurt to try something new. And, and I just started to interview more people. Now, how I got on the radar for industry people, really, it's kind of a hit and miss type of thing, I guess you can say. Like, for example, when we started interviewing smaller named actors, it started building up um, and started becoming friends with a lot of people. 
we just started seeing like, especially me when I, when I first started doing it, I started off super nervous doing this. Like I was, I was shaking, so to speak, because first big interview I had, she's still, she's like one of my best friends over there at um, Sony Santa Monica. Not going to say her name because she's going to be coming on the show again. So y'all yeah, see her when you see her on the channel, but uh, let's just well, say Piper oh, he knows, he knows, he knows. But, <laughs> but we had her one and I had a blast talking with her, but I was nervous as hell, but she made, she reassured me. And that's funny thing. I'm the interviewer and I'm being reassured by the person I'm interviewing that it's all right. <laughs> That's how you know I wasn't ready to interview anybody. But then something happened. Uh, some stuff happened. I got a message from Sony involving that show and, and some stuff. And I had to fix some stuff. And I was like, you know, I made a decision. I was like, listen, I got you guys. Don't worry about this. We're going to fix this. And when I did that, something just changed. I felt like a door opened because when I did that, a lot of stuff just started to fall in place, so to speak. A lot of developers that we asked, I noticed started getting greenlit. I started noticing we started getting replies super quick. And the more I got confident on the mic, I was like, you know what? Let me just, let me, let me shoot my shot, you know, so to speak, and start interviewing more. And then, I mean, we go through the list of people I've interviewed. I've interviewed David Kay, who does the voice for Ratchet from Ratchet and Clink, and also the voice of Nathan Hale. I've interviewed Agent 47 himself, David Bateson, which was a treat. Bela, aka Becca Pruitt, the lovely Becca Pruitt, who uh, was another one who kind of put us on the map a bit when we talked to her. Funny thing is, it was supposed to be two people interviewing her. It was just me and her, but it, but it ended up being that fun of a thing. And then we had Katie O'Hagan. It was just it's a lot of known people. This and man has interviewed and talked to some of the voice actors from Resident Evil Village, which is crazy. You also have interviewed the creator of God of War himself, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, some of the names that you've interviewed, like, fantastic for you being in the gaming space. What I love about it, and, and, I'm, and I'm very grateful for, is how fast it happened. It happened in uh, record time. Like, I had an interview, and, and this this interview was more personal, too, because um, I love Death Stranding. I had Tommy Earl Jenkins, who was the voice of Die Hardman in that game. We had him on there, and we were talking about, you know, his influence in the uh, LGBT community as well. And um, just really getting to open up and talk to, you know, guys like that, hear, hear their stories and just hear their influence. That really does mean a world. And to see so many just gravitate and, you know, like us and see what we do aside from gaming. That's the thing. I didn't want to be encased in a bubble, so to speak, where it was strictly gaming. So I decided to move it on out to other stuff. So that's why content on my channel is kind of like a flux. Like there are days when I don't upload. There are days I simply think, because really I'd be asking myself, do I want to cover gaming or do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Like I don't upload. And then I decided to take a chance. And I was like, you know, let's let's do something I really love too. I love wrestling. And you already know we had Mickey James on. And Mickey James was one of the coolest interviews we had too. It's like, again, all this stuff. And a record of just a year has changed. And it was like, this is, you know, it's it's really worthwhile. It was it was amazing to see that. The messages I got, you know, from everybody, you know, it's just it's 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 really good. Now I have to ask, obviously, people, your your channel is called Big Cloud Gaming. People know you for gaming content, but when you do interviews like the one that you did with Mickey James, who is a Hall of Fame wrestler, mm-hmm. former WWE superstar, do you worry that that could potentially alienate your audience because it's not gaming content? It's it's, it's outside of the gaming sphere. Well, it's kind of is, but it kind of is not because WWE has games. 
Sure. Yeah. So technically, you can kind of make that work. I, I could say you can branch out to a stint and have stuff that's related to gaming, but just not entirely be focused on it. It could be kind of like a break type of thing from the format. You never want to have your audience burnt out from anything. You know, you want to keep them engaged, want to keep having fun and, and keep building it and grinding. And that's the thing, too. And I just noticed when I started doing this, I just started noticing who actually watches, who supports. Because the one thing about me, I like to test my audience. There are days where I just don't upload and I just like going, who really is going to watch my video? Who's going to watch if I upload this? And I just see who watched and who doesn't. And they know who I, I know they're the real ones. I don't entertain those who look for reactions. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Dudes look for reactions, but there's a lot of those. I don't, I don't entertain them. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's Trend Alerts tool. Think Google Alerts, but specifically for YouTube trends. This tool is great for planning your next video as it helps you stay on top of trending topics within your niche. Provided you have vidIQ installed on your Chrome or Firefox browser, you'll find it on the left-hand sidebar the next time you're in your YouTube studio. Once there, you can create an alert and enter keywords for it and set the parameters. So, for example, I could have a channel that covers iPhones. And I may want an alert that includes things like iPhone, iPhone 12, or even Apple event. Then I can set up my alert to email me whenever a new video hits, say, 500, 1,000, or even 10,000 views an hour. So if suddenly I get an email and see 20 new videos all talking about iPhone 27 rumors, and they're all each getting about 500 views an hour, I know that something's probably going down and I had better hit record. The Trend Alerts tool is free when you sign up with vidIQ, so visit vidIQ.com, install the extension, and start creating Trend Alerts today. Okay, so I got to ask the big question to you about Mm -hmm. your journey. As a content creator, I could definitely speak for me and I'm pretty sure I can speak for other content creators when I say one of the coolest things about being a content creator in any niche is when the people that actually work in that industry notice you and your content. For me, I think it was two years ago, being a tech content creator, making videos mostly about Apple at the time, I got to interview probably the world's most famous Apple tech journalist, Mark Gurman, on my podcast Mm. two years ago. That was cool for me. Um, So I got to ask you, being a gaming content creator, not only did you get on the radar, you became a freelancer, a contractor for IGN, Imagine Games Network, the largest gaming publication outlet in the world. Amazing, How right? did you get on IGN's radar, man? Because I mean, I, we got to talk about that. So the funny thing is, I didn't even try. I didn't I didn't put in for it because I wouldn't know where to go type of thing for it. Um, it was funny because one of my good friends in the industry, her name is Kate Yeager. Uh, she's one of the, she's a full-time freelancer for Microsoft as she works for Xbox. And I interviewed her twice, had her on the show twice. We talked about it numerous times. And it's like, you know, I love her like a sister. It's like a sister and brother type of vibe. Like when we have her on, we talk gaming and we have fun. And she loves that uh, about us. And we, we always connect with her. But um, after we had her on the show, it's funny. I'll never forget it because Lauren put out the tweet. And Lauren, we had on the show at the time when she uh, was on that time. She put out a tweet saying, hey, guys, she's looking. we're looking for um, producers, okay, game producers. Who, uh, who's Lauren? Lauren Galloway from IGN, the social okay. media. But she put it out there. She's like, yeah, guys, we're looking for um, producers for IGN. I was going, ooh, producer, I could do that. And I looked at the requirements, you know, uh, obviously skills of editing, uh, putting stuff together. I'm like, I do that every day. I put in for it. And when I put in for it, funny thing is I started getting messages from my gym. Now, the first message I got from my gym was, um, hey, uh, did you put in for this for producer? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. And he's okay. We saw your work. You got some really impressive videos. You got some pretty impressive work. However, is what he said. However, um, we just, we found some people that are a little bit more qualified, just a little bit more. 
but you are really pretty much there. You're good. You're really, really good. But I don't think you're going to be the perfect mix for this. I'm like, it's still perfect. Fine. But just because I said this, I want to offer you another job with us. I was like, what you mean? It's like, well, I would love after seeing your samples and everything, I would love to offer you an opportunity to work with us under our freelancers program. You definitely fit the mold for someone perfect for that position. I was like, okay, well, I got to do. And he literally said pretty much what you're doing here. You play the games, you upload it to us and you edit and, and everything we did, thumbnails. And yeah, I was like, okay. When do I start? <laughs> like, you know, sign me up. And we just started, uh, you know, we started signing up, signing on the paperwork and uh, my name and all that stuff got put in the system. So all my videos, ironically, the videos that I did for them are done. They're greenlit with all the Elden Ring content. You haven't seen it uh, upload on the site yet, but it's coming. You'll probably see it hopefully next month or who knows. But they're like super swamped over there. That's why I love uh, working there. It's, it's, it's that fun. I never felt pressured. I never felt like I had to meet this at a certain time because I didn't. It literally was a chill vibe from start to finish. And you just, uh, you have fun there. And it's been really a blessing to say the least, because just the fact that I had that on my resume as an IGN associate, in a sense, um, that just made so many things open for me down the road. Talk more about that. Like after you were able to put that you were a freelancer for IGN on your resume, what type of doors did that open for you? Cause I think that's not, that's important for a lot of people to hear about how that worked out for you. So let's throw this. I mean, so beforehand I would go through, I guess, agencies, obviously for a lot of the actors I asked on. Um, beforehand, I would just say, hey, look, I would just shoot, you know, again, shoot your shot. I would tell them, hey, my channel's this. I interviewed this person, that person. Would you be interested type of thing? And usually it would take a few weeks for me to get a reply type of thing. Now it's like a matter of two or three days. Wow. To get responses. And then uh, I see the uh, response that I've gotten from people watched and uh, recommended from IGN. Um, it's It's been that type of deal. When it comes to um, videos or my opinions on Twitter, I'd noticed that uh, I get much more of a positive reaction than I've ever done. Uh, and mind you, I don't, I hardly post on Twitter. I hardly say much on Twitter. Yeah, I'll post some gameplay. I'll post this kind of stuff and I keep it moving, right? But a lot of people still ask me in the day, but Ryan, where those videos at though? <laughs> I still don't upload videos. I still don't upload this because I'm just, I'm so laid back at this point. And um, another thing that's happened for the channel, we have gotten more sponsorships than I've ever seen, period, for my wow. channel. We're sponsored by two companies right now. And it's funny about them because they, they sent me another email. It's like, hey, Big Club, you like to work? I'm like, guys, I'm already working with you guys. I'm under your damn program. But I guess <laughs> they, they have something they want me to show off to you. Basically, I'm, I'm partnered by Gaming Cobra, which is a subsidiary of Extreme Rate. Extreme Rate makes a lot of accessories for your console. So they make like uh, LEDs for your PS5. As you showed those off in the video, they uh, have cool like faceplates you can put on the controller and stuff like that. You can take it apart and put on. So they do stuff like that. And also the other company that we're sponsored by is a company by the name of Hex Gaming. Hex Gaming makes uh, scuff controllers. Right. I was yeah. For the, for the I PS5. Mm. And these have paddles on the back. It's got the uh, texture fitting on the side and this is all made by me at the time they have better designs now so if you guys are interested they do have those this is all chromed out everything okay i so, gotta ask you uh is the heck game controller good because i was looking into getting another yeah. controller for ps5 because i don't like the the one the current one doesn't have good grip for quitty palm so. if you uh want one i can tell you how to get one literally just uh, and you don't even have to pay a dime 
Oh wow! Can, you want the I can I can hook you up. Don't worry, I got you. I, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate I you. you. Drama because they're they're really really good. It's it's great. Paddles are great. Everything obviously scuff. I think scuff announced theirs not too long ago. Yeah, they're going to they be work. They're in the process of working on theirs. Yep. So theirs probably won't come out to probably I say next year because usually scuff takes time with. The, oh, I think they're already out. They're they're at the oh, they yeah. yeah, I think there are three of them that they have out right now. I believe. Oh, right? okay. So they probably they perfected it. But yeah, usually man, scuff usually has like the thing because I was thinking scuff would probably do what they did with the PS4. Now they they re redesigned it. They did like a Xbox S look for it, and I like the paddles and all that stuff. They did all that stuff. So. They probably do that later on when when Sony I guess proves it for them. But yeah. So for my, for my listeners right now, Ryan, you just said that you have multiple sponsorships coming into your channel. Can you please remind people how many subscribers your channel has right now? Well, we're at ten thousand two hundred and fifty. Ten thousand subscribers, and the man got a freelance deal with the largest gaming publication in the world. Has multiple sponsorship opportunities coming to his channel, and he's a ten thousand subscriber channel. So I don't want to hear any more nonsense, you all, about my channel too small. I can't do this. I can't do that. No. Yeah. That right there is a barrier in your mind. And I try to tell people, um, it, when you tell yourself you can't, you can't, you can't, that's that's something that's that's a you problem. That's you. You had to fix that in yourself. You can do anything out here. It's all out here. You can all out, you can go out here and grab it and go get it. You have to be willing to go get it and just and go in and receive it type of thing. And a lot of people don't necessarily believe that until they see it and they go, oh, how'd you get this? I get messages still to this day. Like, oh, how do you get this? How do I get in contact? I'm sitting there going, how about you just go back and see what I did? And it's very simple. <laughs> Notice, I when when this happened, I was very quiet when this happened because I didn't even know a lot of this stuff that happened. By the time I read the email that said, "Hey, love to have you as a freelancer," that email was the last email that I read after I was receiving game recommendations from IGN saying, "Hey, would you play this game? That game? This game? This game?" I was like, "Oh, why are they sending me this?" And at first, I thought it was for producing, but it was like, "No, no, no, this is under the other thing." I was like, "Oh, crap." <laughs> and then I signed the dotted lines. Okay, well, this is what we're going to be doing. And I'm telling you, man, I'm still shocked to this day. I know you'd be blown away by it, like, especially with how fast it happened. But I never thought in a million years I would be picked of all people for this. I would think that this would happen to someone else. But then here I am, I'm getting these messages. I'm getting all this. And then got another company reached out to now, a graphic artists. I'm like, you know, listen, it can all happen. Just, you know, got to be willing to just, number one, improve especially adapt you definitely gotta adapt out here and and improve yourself and just be humbled at the end of the day and have fun with it i'm not saying it's gonna happen overnight i'm not saying it's gonna happen in a year or three years no but i'm saying when you put yourself in these barriers where you say you can't do this you can't do that and you have this i can't do anything attitude don't be surprised when stuff doesn't happen yeah don't you know what I mean? Viper's interviewed he had his he had an interview that i'm still jealous of to this day he interviewed austin evans who I mean, had on our uh, our creator for Pete podcast without yeah, you there. Yep, exactly. So you know, it's like and Viper's this channel, um, Viper's channel is like what almost at two thousand or something like that. Vibe Life, oh, one, almost at one. Well, the new channel is almost at one thousand. So yeah, yeah. But the Vibe Drive, Vibe the Vibe Life. Life, yeah, Vibe Life is at uh, yeah. yeah, it's almost at, so you know you had Austin Evans at that. That was a big show for you. And again, <laughs> Austin Evans has what over a million subscribers, like five million. Yeah. Million. <laughs> Listen, there you go. I'm, I hear I am. I am just trying to keep it safe. He's always oh, over five. <laughs> so I'm just saying, well, like, yeah. you, you don't know. 
you're right. It's all about a mindset thing. As a content creator, your potential is however you think, however big you feel it is. Like you are your own uh, liability as a content creator. You are the only thing that's holding you back. Like you sure. can achieve anything that you want in this content creation faith if you put your mind to it and put in the work. I think Ryan highlighted it earlier. It's about putting in the work, being willing to constantly adapt and improve to what's happening in your industry because you can't stay stagnant because yeah. you don't grow and then you get left behind. So as long as you're willing to put in the work and improve, you can go big places as a content creator, no matter what your niche is. So I'm glad you highlighted that. And the funny thing about me, and I'm a prime example of that too, because again, I don't upload hardly on my channel like I used to, but that's mostly because I'm just in the process of just building stuff behind the scenes, working on stuff behind the scenes. You know, before I make the big step and go, because you know, Vibe, when I hit go, I'm, I'm all in. I mean, the videos drop constantly. I'm like mm -hmm. a legit news outlet by myself. Like I'm literally dropping something every single second. And uh, I think you showed one of my videos in one of your videos you had on your phone. I was just like, oh, yep. It's one of them days. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it. Get my opinion. But that's the thing, man. And that lets, you know, again, even even if I don't upload, I always have Fridays to look forward to. And that's kind of like our day, special day. Um, our, Friday is a podcast I do. It's called RGT. So it stands for Real Gamer Talk at the time. But funny thing is, we just call it RGT because literally, we just literally talk. We're just sitting down. We're talking about everything. And with the inclusion of the special guests that we've been doing with the interviews and just how much we've opened that show, I ain't gonna lie, man. The vibe is, uh, you can ask Viper, the vibe is always uh, something to behold. Yeah, we'll get a few weirdos in the chat every now and then, but they don't last long. They they don't last long. Yeah, definitely a Bible there. So RGT <laughs> is not named after the creator RGT85, right? <laughs> yeah, shout out to RGT85. Uh, it was funny when, when I put that out there because you know, when he was like, hey guys, it's hardcore country time talking about Mickey James. And somebody was like, wait, RGT, you, had RGT, you have your own podcast? And they're going, you fool. <laughs> so, like, you fool. <laughs> yeah, he has his own podcast. That must be on mine. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> but it's funny. Everybody says oh, RGT85 fits perfect with RGT. I have something going. Is that a pun? So, no, no, no. He actually fits perfectly with you guys because you're all chill when we talk game. And he's like, hey, listen, I love to have more. And he, and he wants to be on more. So, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you never know. So I want to talk about something unique that, well, I don't know if I call it, but you be unique, but it's something unique that I've seen in the creative space that you do with your podcast. You integrate Discord. Now, I know Discord is a big platform for gamers as far as communicating with each other and different things like that. But normally, when we talk about Discord and communication, we're talking about communicating within, like, while you're actually playing a game online, like party chat and different things like that. Mm -hmm. So you use Discord to connect your guests via your podcast. So how did that all come about? You know, the funny thing is before Discord, before Hangouts uh, and all that stuff, we used to do it with, I have it. Oh, I think I do. That's it right there. Good God, this thing has been here collecting dust. <laughs> I used to do this thing right here. Uh, Elgato HD 60. I used to use that for the podcast back in the day. Um, literally just me, us sitting in a PlayStation 4 chat room and just talking. And I would have that recorded, upload that to YouTube. And that pretty much would be the podcast. And we would do that type of thing. And then that would be it. it be, there was no crazy intros, no outros, uh, no, you know, none of that stuff. And then... Obviously, when that got a little too extreme, I moved on to Google Hangouts because Google Hangouts, I think, was really good at the time. And that was like the best option to go live and ended up becoming right. a, um, a template for us. And that became the go to until Google 
happened. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Well, RIP to Hangouts. And so when Hangouts was going, uh, that's where um, we were looking for the um, replacement. And I started to experiment around. I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, we don't have a way to record his voice. I don't have a way to do this. There's no way I'm going back to recording a PS4 game chat. There's no way to do that. And then a friend was talking about Discord. I heard people going around with Discord. I was like, oh, you know, let's try that around. First of all, I even had no idea how it worked. And so when I created the server for it and we started doing it, I was like, okay, this is okay. And then it started growing and we started getting more familiar with it. I was like, oh, you do this. That's how I would do it. And then that became the staple. And we found a way to make that work. And then I got so good with it when I started having those weird, crazy moving backgrounds, just our logos moving, flashing as we talk type of thing. We did this podcast with gameplay. I used to do that and I used to help people. I still, you know, they asked me, asked me if they'll, they'll I'll help them. But yeah, I, I had to help other content creators when needed to help them set up their stuff for it. And that became the uh, go-to. Now, obviously, with the inclusion of cameras, we don't really use a lot of crazy graphics for our stuff now because it's mostly us, you know? We lie heavily on our personality, and I think that's where we just, we have more fun with it. It's us. Granted, we are we are stepping that up, though, and having right. some stuff coming out. The whole nine yards, I'm looking forward to getting that done. Pretty cool. Baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> I have an interesting question for you. Even though you do show your faith more now in your videos, you still use a lot of gaming content. Like the the background is usually like some type of game playing while yep. you're talking and about I'll like fading. Yep. Right. Do you ever worry or have you ever got any copyright claims or do you worry about copyright issue from showing those games? The only time I ever got a copyright issue, like the only time it feels like I get copyright issues, as ironic, is from a company that claims to love me. <laughs> <laughs> It's from Capcom. I get it from Capcom a lot. But like I use the trailers so like that. They go, hey, yeah, copyright claim. This video is me. I'm like, really, Capcom? This old trailer from 2016? We're, we're doing <laughs> this now? And I get that. But no, um, I do get them. But when I get them the first time, I, you know, I'll keep the video up. I'll let it just go. I don't really take it down because it's not a striker. It doesn't affect the channel. So I'm like, okay, cool. But I use that as a, as an example of not to use that clip down the road. You know, I, I always do that and I just move on and just find something else. And I blend that. And then I usually talk now with the inclusion of a better camera. Um, I usually talk to my audience and I'll like, I'll have a cut to the gameplay. I like starting it off with some uh, interesting music choices. You know, I mean, I always have some crazy uh, music choice for mine. And then I alternate that with the gameplay. Then I'll switch to me on camera and then uh, get to the point, show the news article and I do that. So it's always been like a very creative process behind it. And just it's all about how you blend it, I guess you can say also how that works. Yeah, I think the term for the transformative content, though, the way yep. that you do it, it keeps you from getting more copyright claims. But we both know how Nintendo feels about people using their footage. Yeah, oh, no, that's a no-no. Don't do it. No, no. Don't do it. <laughs> so inspiring gaming creators out there, don't use anything from Nintendo. You, you don't use it. their music. They're, they're deleting channels over music. Yeah, yeah don't like, do anything with Nintendo gaming IP content clip. Don't do anything from Nintendo. Otherwise, you're going to get, get a talking to. Just don't do it. So, Ryan, before we get out of here, do you have any advice for any aspiring up-and-coming gaming content creator? Ah, uh, yeah. Be yourself, for one. I noticed that in the long run when I literally decided to be myself more behind the camera as opposed to acting out a persona or speaking my mind in that particular case and becoming labeled a clout chaser-esque content creator at that, <laughs> chair, at that time. But um, be yourself. And you'd be surprised what can happen and what doors can open. I literally was myself for a whole year. I had, you know, again, and here's the thing too. There's nothing wrong with the growth for your channel if you're doing it the right way. Things happen, right? Like good things come to those two weights uh, type of thing. So as you grow your channel, as you go with it, you get more confident on the mic and have more fun with it. 
doors can open, doors will open eventually. And at the end of the day, you'll be in a better mood than you ever uh, will be. I used to always be like a Sith Lord type thing. I'd be in an angry mood. I always, it felt like when I did my videos. Now, I'm like the most chill guy in the history of uh, content. Why? Because number one, I'm having fun. Number two, it's content that I want to make. And number three, it's something that I'm building with people that are like-minded and people that I respect and consider family. So it's, you know, my advice for you, just be yourself. Have fun with it. Obviously be consistent. I'm not talking about five videos a day. No, nah, I don't do that. I'm not seeing three videos a day. No, you can drop one video a day if you can. If not two videos a week, three videos, you know, the only thing that matters, you get the cadence right, you get that content and you, and you know that you're putting out a product that you're happy with, but you want to make sure you do that on a consistent basis, grow the channel, YouTube gets familiar with it, recommends it, and that's it. That's pretty much it. You just have fun with it. Boom. That is solid advice. Big cloud gaming, man. Awesome having you on the podcast, my dude. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, if the people want to talk to you, where can they find you, man? Yeah, you can find me at Big Cloud Gaming, YouTube. Twitch, Twitter. I'm always uh, active on, uh, feels like I'm always active on Twitter. You know, I'm not, I don't really upload as much, but nah, you can always hit me up on Twitter if you want to DM me or message me. You know, always message me as well on our Discord server. Uh, it's linked to my YouTube. So you go to my YouTube channel, you go in the description, you'll get access to the RGT server. And that's right there is where we have a bunch of uh, like minded gamers. You know, we uh, talk gaming news, they'll recommend stuff they want me to talk about. Ironically, I haven't covered anything, so it's kind of, you know, it's a, lot, a lot of them are mad at me right now, but I'm saying, but, <laughs> but I made no mistake. I made a mistake. I, I see them, and usually when I don't cover it in videos, I save that stuff, and I put in a big folder, and I talk about it for RGT, which is a podcast I host on Fridays, every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a great show. Viper's been on the show before. And like I said, I've interviewed some amazing content creators, some amazing uh, industry veterans, and uh, I'm planning to go, quote unquote, to the moon for this year and continue to go. So uh, it's going to be a very awesome process. No doubt, man. Big Cloud, man. I appreciate you making the time today, my dude. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, thank you. No problem, man. Thank you to those of y'all who are listening to this episode of Tube Talk. Appreciate you guys. For Big Cloud, I am Viper. I will be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.